You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is a guy named David Folk. And David, have you heard the saying like a jack of all trades, a master of none? Well, this guy is like a jack of all trades and a master of turkey hunting. He is a freak when it comes to turkey hunting. He got the itch for it in college. So basically, he really jumped into turkey hunting around the same time that I jumped into turkey hunting in life. And the only difference is he took it and ran with it. Me, I kind of like tiptoed. Still, I'm about ankle deep in the water right now. But he is like head first all the way in. And he chases birds all across really North America. I mean, Mexico, the whole U.S., I think his goal is to kill one in every single state. And he's trying to pursue, well, I think he got the Grand Slam. Uh, he's pursuing the Super Slam, the Royal Slam, all of it. And I've got some updates for that at the end of the show. So stick around and listen to the outro because we're going to talk a lot about his pursuits, what he's hoping to accomplish. And then I will update you on how that went. Because unfortunately, a decent amount of time has transpired between the time that we actually recorded this to the time that it's getting aired and so luckily i can update you let you know how it went for him and we're going to jump right in like he was doing things that were just badass that was one of the coolest moments of my life i was really scared but knowing that dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay All right, guys, so I am constantly getting asked about the gear that I'm using, and the great news is that I've got it all listed out on Go Wild. Now, if you listen carefully, I'm going to tell you how you can get a $10 gift card to use toward picking up some new gear. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos aren't censored. They're actually encouraged, so much so that Go Wild will give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. Now, as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards and free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Also, check this out. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. 
All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is David Falk. Now, David is from Arkansas. He is a diehard turkey and waterfowl hunter, as I feel like most people are if they're in Arkansas. But David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you start out by sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, what it was like maybe growing up in Arkansas, kind of your history being raised around that type of hunting environment? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess, you know, like we, we kind of chatted a little bit before we started, but uh, grew up in Arkansas. I've been here my whole life. Um, had a little brief little stint outside of the state. I uh, lived in Colorado for a little bit after college for my first real job. Um, but yeah, man, I grew up here, you know, growing up in Arkansas, like you kind of mentioned, uh, everyone here is a duck hunter. The The duck hunting culture is just super strong. I mean, we were kind of joking about you're pretty much born with a duck call in your mouth when you get here. Like everyone has a duck call. Everyone calls. Everyone's got a duck boat. Everyone's got a duck dog. Uh, my dad actually kind of introduced me to hunting. He's a huge duck hunter. Really growing up, that's kind of all we did. Uh, we got a little land down towards Stuck Dart. Uh, you know, the duck capital of the world and spend all our time duck hunting down there. Uh, so that's where like my first true, I guess, hunting passions started and really got me down that whole path. Um, grew up deer hunting some, but I've just never got that fired up about it. Um, it's something I kind of do in passing um, until duck season starts. And I guess so, you know, you know, too, growing up in Arkansas, there, there's not a lot of turkeys. Um, there still isn't. There was at one time, but populations have been kind of just declining for 20-something years. Um, so I really didn't get into turkey hunting until I think I was 13 or 14, something like that. It was like my freshman year of, uh, of high school. And I've got a funny story about that, too, I can tell you later. But that was the first time I ever went turkey hunting, and me and my dad knew knew nothing about it. But that really... I actually went and uh, my second hunt, I was able to get a turkey and that like Man. lit a whole nother fire. Um, and since then, I've just been obsessed with it. Um, went off to college at Mississippi State and hunted public land down there for four years on a really tough national wildlife refuge. And that's where I really like kind of grinded my teeth and like learned how to truly kill turkeys. Um, and since then, it's I've kind of gone nuts and uh now I pretty much spend every weekend possible from March 15th to like May 31st chasing turkeys. I've just, uh, I, it's almost replaced duck hunting at this point. I mean, I, I love both. Thank goodness they're at, uh, two different times of the year. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem is when seasons start to overlap, it can, I mean, you really have to figure out what your priorities are at that point. Oh, definitely. Cause you know, I used to fish a lot of uh, bass tournaments. I mean, I was obsessed with bass fishing. Like I remember growing up, I was like, I'm going to be a professional bass angler. You know, I wanted to be Kevin Van Dam, which I think a lot of young boys probably do. But uh, I used to fish some tournaments in high school. I fished some in college, fished like a national championship. But once I started getting crazy about turkeys, I, I, I can't even tell you the last time I, I picked up a bass rod. Like I don't even think about it anymore. Uh, and that was something I really enjoyed, but turkey hunting is just completely, uh, completely made that leave my mind. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I've always thought that turkey hunters were kind of funny because I never grew up with turkey hunting. Like we saw turkeys everywhere, but we just never hunted them. We were whitetail hunters and that was about it. And then I got into waterfowl hunting that kind of took over for a long time. Absolutely loved that. Bought a bow, 
started shooting that all the time. But it wasn't until after college that I started turkey hunting. And everyone was just so diehard about it. And I think I had a boss one time that just wouldn't stop talking about it. Like there's nothing that even compares. And I think that he almost ruined my view of it because I get kind of turned off to things when people talk them up so much, like, dude, there's nothing better on the planet. Like this is the greatest. I don't do anything else anymore because Uh this is so good and it can't even compare. And then I go turkey hunting and I'm like, this isn't, yeah (laughs) you made it you made it sound like i would never want to do anything else and it's fun but it's not the end all yeah that kind of ruined it for me i feel like but now i find myself every week looking more and more forward to it this year i've put more time in the woods uh chasing after turkeys than i ever have and i've seen more i've had more cool encounters like lots of good stuff happened this year and so i'm kind of building my passion for turkey hunting up now Oh, definitely. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, with the individual and like, you know, their own personal passion level and stuff like that. So like here, I mean, there's a lot more turkey hunters now than when I remember growing up. Maybe that's just as we weren't really doing it that much, but like, I feel like most of the turkey hunters that I met, um, that was all they did. Like if you were a duck hunter, I mean, everybody was a duck hunter. They talked about that and they deer hunted too. And then you had the people that only deer hunted, but like, turkey hunting like i never met that many people that did it and i don't know if it was just as our like low population numbers here on turkey so like not that many people did it um but it seems like the few people that i talked that were turkey talked to that were turkey hunters were like very secretive and like low-key about it um which is kind of different than it is now so like i just never had much experience with it until i went and for me i just got hooked because personally i'm like super ADHD like that's why I'm a terrible deer hunter I I I just can't do it like man you put me in a deer stand and like if I don't have deer directly in front of me I'm like bored out of my mind so for me turkey hunting is great because like you get to move around you get to call you get to talk like you know if if it gets boring you can go somewhere else so like it constantly kind of keeps that like engagement that I need um and same with waterfowl hunting I mean I think that's why a lot of people like waterfowl hunting is being able to move around and talk and you know you're not just sitting there still and quiet Uh, so for me it was just a perfect fit but you know for everyone it may not be the case but i am glad that you're starting to get some of these experiences where you're you're starting to see the uh the attraction oh yeah i mean it used to be like i would sit in spots where i had seen turkeys come through during deer season you know i'm like hey they use this all the time or i catch them on trail camera and so i'm like obviously they're using it later in the year they're probably still using it this time of year and so i'd go and sit in these spots and i'd have encounters but like the first time i heard them spitting and drumming like strutting up close they came all the way up to like three yards from oh, yeah but they were on the neighbor's property yeah and so i'm i'm like looking this turkey dead in the eye from inside of a blind and he is just he's so upset just fully strutted and i mean he did that for 45 minutes and the whole time i'm thinking like dude i could i could shoot this thing point blank if i stuck my gun out and i don't know i was like man that's cool but it didn't happen they didn't come in i've been waiting i still haven't i have yet to have them come in and beat the crap out of my decoys my buddy had it happen on the property i hunt yesterday and um that's something that i really want to see 
but I've had them come in just fired up. And I think I say that I've never had them beat up my decoy. I think they did one time, but we actually got bored and went for a walk. And so we came <laughs> back and these toms were booking it across the field towards my Jake decoy. And we actually got the turkey fan out, snuck up on them to 16 yards and waited for them to pop out in sight. And we couldn't see the decoy at that point. But anyways, we doubled up on them. So awesome. I've never had it happen like right in front of me. But this year we we hunted a couple different spots and we kept hearing them. And I was like, man, I wish we would have set up over there. Well, one of the first mornings we heard them gobbling in this different patch of timber on the property. And I was like, dude, do you think we have time to book it over there and get set up? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So we did. And that changed everything for me as far as turkey hunting. Like this year, I don't go and get set up until I know exactly where the birds are roosted. And before I would just set up because like, oh, I thought it might You'd be a good spot. Area, yeah. And so I think that that's been a big change for the success that I've had this year and for my excitement. Cause now it's like you go out there and at, at dark and you're just kind of hanging out, standing in a field where you can get to different spots quickly and you just wait. And once you oh, yeah. hear, once you hear them fire off, then it's like, all right, time to go. Let's hurry, get over there, get set up before they Game can start on, to right. spot us. And that's been the fun part of it for me is figuring oh, definitely, out. Tell me, I mean, it kind of sounds like when you were first kind of getting started, you were kind of more like what I call deer hunting turkeys, which a exactly. lot of people do that, you know, necessarily don't. A lot of people do this when they're first starting out, of course, or if they don't know how to call and stuff like that. And, and sometimes that's the only way to kill a certain turkey. But for me, like going back to the deer hunting thing, like I, I can't even hardly deer hunt a turkey. Like if I've got a game camera out and the turkey's been strutting in the same spot every day and he won't gobble, like. I almost just assume not mess with him because I just, I just can't sit there and wait. Um, but that's, what's great about once you, once you really start doing what you're talking about, where you can start calling them and, you know, going out and listening and waiting for the woods to wake up and hearing birds and, you know, pulling up on your mapping software, like your on or whatever else. And like figuring out where they are, where they're going and like, you know, formulate a plan of attack and like try to get over there and, and try to call them in try to trick them. I mean, that's, what's, that's what's exciting about it. That's the whole game of cat and mouse that everybody always talks about with turkey hunting. That to me makes it exciting and it's that it's that challenge. So I, I, it just it gets me fired up. I'm fired up right now just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had I've had some wild encounters this year so far. Like I took a guy out. Um, he's come out with me a couple times now. And one morning, I bet you we heard between five and seven hundred gobbles. And That's amazing where i'm hunting i mean we're seeing a dozen birds every day like toms or jakes legal birds to shoot at least i've hardly seen any hens or heard any hens calling and we had we had a dozen birds in this tiny little like 12 acre patch of woods right behind us we sat with our backs to it because the day before i had seen them come out of there mm-hmm. and then we heard them all firing off and we sat there and for 45 minutes there were a dozen birds gobbling and every time one would go, they would all go. Oh, and yeah. it just kept on going and going and going. And I'm like, dude, there's no way we're not going to kill a bird because two sides of the woods are uh, bordered by the road. Okay. And we're sitting on the opposite side. So like catty corner from that. And uh-huh. I'm like, they're going to come out somewhere right here. And they never did. And I'm like, dang, you got to be kidding me. Another day we had 
Where had, they end up going? Did they dabble off into the distance across the well, road, or did no? They, just they, they were just hanging out in the in the woods. Oh, and really? We could hear them just like kind of moving away, and that was basically the entire first week of turkey season for us. Uh, we didn't see birds in the field at all. Like the the spots that I'll drive around uh, that I have access to, I'll drive around to them and just see what's out, see what's moving, how many there are, and. It was pro. It was about five days worth of hunting where I didn't see a single bird on a huntable property that I had while I was driving, and they just were in the woods the whole time. And yeah, now yeah. it's completely flipped. And I've had encounters with birds in the same field, four hunts in a row, or like we we did uh, four days at this one spot. We killed two birds off of it on two different. Well, a bird on two different days. And then my buddy had a shot at one on one of the other days. So three out of four days, we had a shot opportunity or actually had a successful hunt in this exact same spot. And so now, I mean, the birds are active. They're coming down. They're talking like crazy. And it, it's been a total game changer for me. And I get why people get hooked on it now. Oh, like yeah. when you're sitting there and you hear them gobble and you're like, dude, they're 200 yards away. And you might not hear that one gobble again for a long time, but you hear the other one sounding off. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap. He's like, he's 60 yards from us. I can't yes, see him yet, but he's right that's here. Exciting. I mean, oh, that, man. that, uh, that anxiety right there is what, is what gets me. Like you're talking about where you, where you hear a bird and they're gobbling and they're gobbling and you know, you, you try to get as close to him as you can and you call and he gobbles. And like you're saying, he's, you know, maybe 150, 200 yards away. And then he just kind of goes quiet and you're like, is he coming? Is he not coming? Because other birds have done this and left, but you know, maybe he could be coming. You don't know. And then like all of a sudden you hear that thundering gobble at like, you know, a hundred yards and you're like, Oh crap. I, th I think he's coming. And like, then, you know, it's just that game of like staring at the woods or, or whatever else, like looking for any side of movement. And you're like, I mean, your heart's beating that, that anxiety on me. I'm just like, Hey, I'm going crazy. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you catch a glimpse at 80 yards and here he comes. I mean, that's just what, gets me going i i'm ate up with it i mean it's it's so exciting I, I will say i've never had i've never had this happen to me uh aside from like playing sports but that morning when we heard all those gobbles we were sitting probably five yards apart from each other and we, it was just the way the the hide was set up right there like we had two really good spots to hide three or four yards into the woods where we could see everything out in front of us. We could see across by the pond, by the corn and the beans and like all the common spots that we see them. And they started firing off behind us. And I'm telling you, I couldn't get my breathing or my heart rate under control for 45 minutes. <laughs> and we never even saw a bird. That was just because they were going nuts behind us. And I would, I would start to think like, okay, I'm doing all right now. I'm good. I, the whole time I'm thinking a bird's going to step out and it's going to see my chest and my vest, like <laughs> opening and closing, you know? Right. And, and the whole time I'd be like, all right, just chill out. If it happens, it happens. If not, whatever. And I hadn't had a good encounter with a bird at this point this year. And then all of a sudden I would just imagine catching movement out of my eye, out of the corner of my eye and seeing birds just booking it over to our decoys and all of a sudden my breathing would get heavy my heart would start racing again oh, yeah. and it just kept going on and i'm like holy cow like this is this is pretty fun 
Like, yeah, it's it, like fear of the unknown. I mean, obviously there's nothing fearful, but you're just like, man, what if, or what if they do this way? Or what if they go that way? Or I don't know. Well, there's just so many things that can, can happen that it's just like, I don't know. It's like that mind racing, just, whew, I want to get it done. You know, it's just, oh man, it's, well, it's nothing like any other hunting to me. No, I'll say the anticipation side of it, because you know, there's birds and you know, pretty well where they are and how far away they are. And you know that long before you ever see them typically, whereas with duck hunting, like typically you see them and it happens fairly quickly with deer hunting. You might, might not see them or hear them until you should be already drawn back. And like, they're in your lap. Exactly. With turkey hunting, you're sitting there and they're, oh yeah, they tease you for 45 minutes or an hour or two hours. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. So come in. And that's the thing going back to like deer hunting. I mean, like to me, yeah, bow hunting more fun than rifle hunting, obviously, because you've got that close encounter and like the excitement levels are so much higher. Um, but that's always been my problem for deer hunting, man, is it's just like, you know, you go somewhere and it's like you say you have multiple shooter butts on camera, but like you don't know if they're coming out the day that you're there, like the time that you're there and the distance from you. Like, I mean, it's all just kind of like happens or it doesn't. And so it's just kind of like a lot of sitting, waiting, board, board, board. And then like, boom, when it finally comes out, yes, there's a lot of excitement and anticipation and anxiety and stuff like that. But the window's just so much smaller uh, on deer than it is with turkeys, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. You, you know, you hear that gobble at 545 and it, it may be two o'clock before you kill one, but you know, they are right there. You just, you know, you don't, you don't know exactly where they are, but it's just, I don't know. It's just different. Yeah, that's where that's where my patience gets tried all the time. Like I'll I give up on them in a hurry. If they shut up, I'm like, all right, I'm getting my turkey fan out, which is basically an umbrella with a turkey print on the front of it. And uh -huh. I'm like, I'm going to them. And I'd say every single day for the past week and a half, I've put a play on a bird behind that turkey fan. And it's fun, but I'll also say there was nothing like having those two toms come in the other day when I had a successful hunt. Like I knew they were coming. I could hear them. And in between gobbles, they might only move 10 to 15 feet or 10 oh, yeah. to 15 yards. But then all of a sudden I heard that one gobble and I knew they were on my side of the road. And I was like, Oh dude, if they're on my side if of the road, they're happen. for sure. They're for sure coming. Like they have nowhere else to go. And then all of a sudden I saw heads popping up and now it's a matter of like, crap, I need to get completely in position and ready because once they get up here, I've heard about their eyesight They They get spooked really easily, whatever. And oh man, just the, the way the entire thing played out. Of course, I didn't bring my GoPro out that day. Um, I didn't have any camera set up. I didn't have anybody with me, but like we could have doubled up on birds with bows if I had a second person there. Oh man. See, it's great. I mean, it's just, I, and then too, like talking about coming in and when you're figuring out they're coming, you know, some birds too, like they're completely quiet where they're not gobbling anymore. You know, say they say they gobbled at 150 and you could tell that they cut you off and then you hear nothing and you're kind of like sitting there waiting. And then I don't know about you, but my hearing's not the best. Um, growing up duck hunting all the time with no earplugs. I mean, I'm all my friends tell me I'm deaf. Well, for me, drumming is like really difficult to hear um so i know like when i hear it that means that bird is freaking close and so like that's a whole nother level 
of anxiety to me too is like if you got a silent bird that all of a sudden all you all you just hear is drumming and like for me it's a little hard to pinpoint I don't know in your experiences but like there's just nothing and all of a sudden all you can hear is just and you're like oh gosh where is that (laughs) that means he's close where's he at where's he at and you know if there's any type of terrain or brush then like it's really difficult for me to tell and like man the heart I can't control it breathing all that um it's just that's it's like a whole nother whole nother way of coming in that just freaks you out if that made sense see that's the that's the interesting thing for me is if I can hear him but I can't see him my heart starts going my breathing gets heavy as soon as I can see him I'm good oh yeah like I I calmed I have this weird calm about me until after I pull the trigger and then right. it's like everything goes crazy. Like all, I, you know, all my senses are going kind of loopy. I'm just so pumped. I'm drunk on, on the experience, you know, yep. but like one, yeah, when I see him, I don't have an issue, but it's, it's when you can hear him and you don't know what's about to happen. That's where the anticipation, Definitely. the anxiety of it is just too much to handle almost. Oh yeah. Cause I had a, uh, so I had a crazy experience, I guess today's what Thursday. So it was it was Monday. Um, I was in Utah and I was hunting some land over there and I had set up on some birds earlier that morning and they were like at 150 yards or so. And I just couldn't get them to come in cause they were, they were falling some hens across this little pasture. And then all of a sudden, and I, and I tried to like use some brush to sneak up on them. I was just going to try to get as close as I could to them, maybe even get in front of them and get a shot. Well, all of a sudden they just like turned around and like took off running. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. They saw me. Like, I was like, I don't know how they saw me, but they started gobbling. And, and I had remembered earlier that morning, there was another group of gobblers that way. So I kind of was like, well, maybe they just tore off after those other birds to kind of get, you know, and getting a little bit of the fight. So I ended up kind of giving up some time and I snuck up there closer and closer and closer. And I ended up going all the way to the property line. Uh, so I had permission on this one little property and I was literally standing at the fence and I was looking out into the neighbor's property and there was nine long beards out there all chasing each Jeez. other around and just, you know, having a ball. And there was about seven hens with them. And so I kind of just, like you were talking about all, all the anxiety gone at that point. Cause like, I can see them and I'm like, man, they're just, they're just out there. Like they're just doing their thing. So I watched them forever and I ended up getting out a uh, full strut decoy and I put it right on the fence line, like dang near touching the fence. Uh, cause I had a little bit of an opening, like kind of down the fence line where I was hoping that they would maybe come down and like cross the fence on my side. And so I sat behind that decoy and that's really where I made a mistake is I sat behind it, like, Oh, maybe like four foot behind the decoy. Um, and I was in like a thicket of trees and anyway, I was just watching those birds and finally three of them peeled off and they saw my decoy and one of them started coming. And it came all the way in to like 40 yards. And so I was pretty anxious leading up to that. And he came all the way, like I said, to about 40 yards, stopped drumming, gobbling, and then turned around and walked off. So like I completely calmed down and was like, man, it's, it's over. They're not coming. Well, then all of a sudden, the bigger Tom in the group, the one that was doing most of the strutting, like, man, he just like head turned blood red. He was like, made his mind up right then and there. He was coming to kick my decoy's butt. And those three turkeys came all the way to the fence. Were literally touching my decoy at like, I mean, I swear they were they were five six feet from me. And 
standing right there, but they wouldn't cross the fence. Um, and it was, it was wild because I really wasn't like that jacked up about it because like, I just had all this anxiety and then like it left and I thought it was over and then they were like coming and I was just kind of focused. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I was like, I have three gobblers, like five feet from me. And like, I just started shaking so bad. Um, and I couldn't shoot them cause they were across the fence. And eventually the, the biggest bird saw me shaking, I swear. And he wasn't too spooked, but he like threw his head up and kind of just stared at me. And then they just all three walked off. But it was crazy because it was the it's the closest I've ever been to gobbling and like drumming turkeys. And they live to tell the story about it. Um, I mean, I wish I could have had a video camera. It was insane how close they were. Um, Gosh. But it was just it was wild. I mean, it's kind of like your story of being in the blind. But uh, I was just sitting there leaning up against a tree with another little tree in front of me. And they were I mean, I could almost touch them. It was it was crazy. Dude, I see those videos where the turkeys are like at the end of the gun barrel. And I'm like, man, I just want I want that one time where there's not a fence or brush in between me and them. Like I want to I want to experience them up close and personal. I want to I want to have them gobble like right in my face. The other day we had. We had gone to this spot and we drive around a bend at the river and like you can look out and see this entire bean field and there's a couple little coves of field and like fingers of trees that kind of poke out and it creates kind of like a perfect little area for turkeys to come and just chill for the morning well every day lately they've been out there and i i can get within about 150 to 200 yards of them before i'm completely exposed and so that's where that reaping decoy comes in and i've now put three stalks on birds with that and one of them i got 70 yards from it um it just didn't something wasn't right it didn't run off it just kind of slowly disappeared into the woods Mm -hmm. another the other day we did one and i was 35 yards from this tom and he was just i mean he was strutting his head was bright red but he was one yard on the other side of the fence line typical and you know like i i've got my he well he ducked down at one point and I thought he was crossing under this four strand and I flipped the safety off. I mean, I'm like ready to pull the trigger. Oh yeah. And he popped his head back up and I'm like, I can't tell. I really can't tell if he just ducked under the fence or if he's still on the other side. And so I never did pull the trigger and I'm glad I didn't because he was in fact on the other side of the fence still. It but hurts, like, but it's the right thing to do. You know? Oh yeah. You, you always hate like not or missing an opportunity like that, but my whole thing is I will never do something if I have to change the details of the story to make it legal or ethical. Right. Yeah. You that's, know. that's how it's not, it's not as rewarding if you're, if you're having to forever live with that lie. Like it's just, I, I it's not worth it. It's not worth it to me. Um, no. So, and, and that's it, going back to like it hurting when, when you don't pull the trigger. So those three birds in Utah that I had point blank, like, in the moment I was like, I can't do it. I'm not doing it. You know, whatever the birds ended up leaving. Like I said, I think they saw me <laughs> shaking in my little boots <laughs> and, uh, they eased off. And a little bit later I was like, dang it, I should have shot. I'm like, man, I could have just reached across the fence. And then I was like, no, I, I, I did the right thing. You know, I was going through all these different emotions of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just had turkeys that close 
and didn't shoot them. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think that was probably like 1030 that morning. So I sat there watching those birds in that field the rest of the day. And finally it was about one o'clock and I was pretty discouraged. And I was like, man, this just sucks. I can't believe I did that. I, I was like, I'm just going to go back to my car real quick and, and get a bottle of water. Cause it was hot and I was thirsty. And, uh, I was, this sounds crazy, but as I was walking back to my car, I'm over here talking to myself in my head and I'm like, I did the right thing. And then it's like, you screwed up. And it was like, no, you did the right thing. I'm like back and forth on it. And, uh, as I'm walking, I look at, there's like a little pond in front of me and I look and I kind of notice something moving. So I just stop and literally one of those long beards that I had just seen popped out in front of me at 20 something yards, like 20, 25 yards, just stepped out right in front of me. And so, and on my side of the property this time, so I boom shot it. And I was sitting there and I was like, man, that was the blessing that I needed. I was like, that worked out. See, I was like, I got to kill one the legal way and not didn't have to cheat, you know? Yeah. So I was sitting there and I was like, it kind of reinforced in my head. I was like, that's why you always do what's right. So Absolutely. You know, I had to lie about that story forever. So it, uh, it worked out in the end, man. That's awesome. I, you, you mentioned Utah a couple times now. I did a mountain lion hunt out there this past fall, and the amount of turkey sign I saw, like in the in the mud on the roads, just hundreds of turkey tracks. And I was like, this would be the coolest place to come back to and turkey hunt. And I had every intention of doing it this spring, but it just didn't work out. Um, but I mean, you kind of you travel all over the place chasing after turkeys. Yeah. So uh, I mean, for me. I, you know, so I, I grew up shooting some turkeys in Arkansas and then I went to Mississippi state and killed one in Mississippi, uh, missed plenty in Mississippi. I went through a little stint where I missed like literally like 12 turkeys in a row. Like, holy cow. Talked about anxiety. Like, so then I'll put a red dot on my gun and it's, it's fixed all that. Cause I, I was having a hard time concentrating like on their head and their neck. Like I was, I was shooting over them just over and over and over. Um, and then, you know, then you get in like a little head case where you're like, I can't hit anything. And then it just gets worse, but put a red dot on my gun and that, and that fixed it. But anyway, um, that was my first like out of state Turkey. And I was kind of like, Hey, this is kind of, this is kind of cool. So I, uh, graduated and took the job out in Colorado and I was like, well, man, I'm out here. I want to, I want to shoot a Turkey in Colorado. So I think that was 20, either 15 or 2016. Uh, that year I kind of was like, man, I want to, I want to travel and like shoot some turkeys. So I killed one that year, I think in Colorado, Kansas, and Oklahoma, I think it was. And I kind of was like, man, I, I'd like to really do this like everywhere. Um, so I started Googling on the internet, like about turkey hunting in other States. And that's when I read about the, uh, the U S super slam. I'm sure you've heard of that now. Yeah. I think everybody and their mother's doing it nowadays. But that was the first time I'd ever heard about it. And I was, because I've always wanted to do like the Grand Slam and a Rule Slam, if you know all those. And that's what I, young, when I was younger, I wanted to do. And then when I heard about the Super Slam, I was like, man, that seems like the perfect combination. Because you get to, you get to kill a bunch of turkeys. You get to extend your turkey season. And I also love to travel and I love to go new places and, you know, see all types of different stuff that's like local to the state and meet new people. So it just kind of was a, a perfect little blend. So since then I've been, I've been pretty much every spring trying to travel to new States and, and shoot turkeys. Um, 
So I've been doing it for a little bit yet. I'm, I'm not like, it's not all I do, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I know that. Yeah. That's awesome. How many, how many States have you hunted for turkeys in or had successful hunts in now? Um, I've killed in 24 so far. Um, you know, there's 49 that you can do. So every state has them, uh, in the lower 48 and then Hawaii, um, Alaska is the only state that doesn't have them. So I've done 24. So I'm like right at about halfway. Um, and then I think I've hunted two other States that I had, I haven't killed one in yet that I hunted and was unsuccessful. So I guess I've done what I've hunted in 26. I guess that'd be right. Yeah. So and then I've got a couple more trips planned at the end of this year that I can help it do. But uh, so far this year, I hunted in Louisiana, which is a tough state. Um, I hunted five mornings down there and was on some birds, but just like couldn't get it done. They were public land turkeys and just super pressured. It was it was pretty tough. Um, So I was unsuccessful there. Ended up uh, shooting one in Arkansas. And then I just got back from a trip where we went to uh, California, Oregon, and Utah and uh, got some turkeys in, in all three of those states. So uh, it's fun. A lot of fun. Man, that's awesome. I've, I've killed turkeys in Missouri and Colorado, and that's it. And awesome. I could definitely see how traveling and doing it would be fun. My buddy's been going to Georgia the past couple of years. I've got friends in Mississippi. I grew up in Wisconsin and there are so many turkeys in Wisconsin and a lot of them, but I always forget to apply because you have to apply. Like there's an over the counter tag that's coming up that I could get, but like my cousin is a turkey hunting machine. He gets last year, he got like 17 or 18 people on birds. And this is just like buddies that he's trying to get out this year. He's already got multiple people uh big toms he got his daughter her first bird this year and so he's like dude you got to come up you got to come up like we will kill a giant if you come up here and oh, so i know i'm like that's it's actually an awesome up state to hunt too. i mean I, I kill a bird up there with my dad in 2017 and we went the last weekend of the year so we could only get one tag um but there was there was dollars everywhere and and they got huge turkeys up there too like body size and just in general i mean it's some gorgeous country big turkeys and i mean you can go up there in may when it's hotter and crap down here and it's nice and great weather up there so oh yeah uh, it's a special weather there's a lot more bearable like i can't i don't like hunting in the heat and down here it can get hot and humid like really quick oh yeah and i'm not a big fan of that but other than that like turkey hunting is definitely definitely growing on me um, is there, do you have like a destination hunt or a specific place that is like absolute top of your list of where you want to go and kill a turkey? Um, well, you know, as of right now, they're pr- pretty much all 49 are my, are my destination and my plans. But I think one that I'm probably most excited about is Hawaii. Um, cause I've always wanted to go to Hawaii in general. And then I just think shooting a turkey on an island with like lava rock and volcanoes like that just sounds absolutely awesome um and then plus two i don't know if you i don't know a whole lot about it personally maybe you know some about it too but i was reading some different things about 
Hawaii's also got like a large population of like feral goats or whatever. Yeah. And you can like go out there and bow hunt them. And I was like, man, that just sounds like an epic trip to like spend a week in Hawaii and like shoot some turkeys, maybe shoot some goats with your bow. And then like also just explore Hawaii. Yeah, like, you know, go see Pearl Harbor, go to the beach, like all that stuff just sounds like an amazing trip to me. So that's probably one I'm I'm most excited about. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great. So now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. See, I've been I've been slowly looking into uh, Hawaii and hunting opportunities because they've got pigs, goats, axis deer that you can hunt out there. And I'm like, one, that would be super awesome. I've never been to Hawaii. My wife wants to go so bad. She was there for like 20 hours one time she oh. got on a trip and then the family that she went with uh had a had an issue in the family so they had to fly out literally the next day after oh, getting man. there but she's like i want to go back so bad and i was like yeah that'd be that's kind of a win-win like go to hawaii i can hunt i, I really want to get into spear fishing i think that'd be a ton of fun oh, and awesome, for sure and then if she could hang out on the beach she wouldn't care how long i was out hunting right um, what what kind of turkeys that's the one thing i haven't looked into in hawaii is turkey hunting what kind of turkeys do they have out there so they've got the the rio you know the rio grand turkey okay so yeah i was reading about it actually not long ago and i may lie to you on the stat but i think they were released in hawaii in like 1960 they put like 400 rios or something on the island it's on the big island Dang. and like supposedly the population's just exploded um and part of going back to talking about like a full-on vacation in Hawaii, um, that's part of why I think I'm really excited about Hawaii is so for my normal job, I do sales. And in 2020, I had a really good year. And you know, they have like a sales incentive trip that they call it, where they'll take the top sales reps and you get a, you win a free trip. So in 2020, I won it and I had a week vacation in Hawaii, staying at like the four seasons. And like Jeez. the the flight was free, the hotel was free, all the meals, all the drinks. Um, then we had like activities. So like I'd sign up for two days of like deep sea fishing, you know, catching like Wahoo and all that fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> then I had like a snorkel trip that was all for free, all this stuff. And I was reading about it. First time I'd ever really like looked that much into Hawaii. And I was like, man, this is going to be an awesome trip. Definitely because it's free. 
And I was so excited about it. And then because of all the COVID stuff, they ended up canceling the trip. Oh, so my I was gosh. so sad because I was so pumped up for it. And then they just, you know, pulled the rug out from under us and were like, oh, never mind. No trip. So because of that, now I just like I, I almost can't wait to go to Hawaii. Originally, I was like, I may save that for the for the final state. Like once I once I get up there and I'm at state 48 and like this is the last one I'm going to do Hawaii. But now I'm like so fired up about it. I'm like, man, I, I may go next year. I don't I don't know. Or maybe the new year after that. But I want to get down there bad. So did they did they reschedule your trip or did it just completely get canceled? So you had an option of you could take a payout where they give you like a cash bonus that quote unquote, you know, was equivalent, which it wasn't even close. Or you could uh, you could reschedule for the next clip or next trip, which was. Uh, I think it's this summer and I forgot where it was. It was like Jamaica or I, I, some some Caribbean place. I don't I don't know. Not really my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, so I, I took the money just as I was like, well, I'm going to do something different. And I ended up using some of that money to take like a trip out to uh, Colorado last fall just to kind of visit some of the places that I used to travel and, and stuff like that. Um, and and I, bought a, I bought a new rifle with the money as well. Now, hey, that'll so work. I was like, hey, if I can't do what I want, I'm going to buy some stuff that I want. Yeah. So in, in living in Colorado, did you did you get into big game hunting out there? Man, so that's what I was so fired up about uh, when I moved out there. And it, it's kind of, I regret it a little bit now. So I, you know, I just graduated college and this was like my first big boy job. And like growing up, my parents always like instilled like a heavy work ethic in me and like, you know, really beat it into me about like, you got to work 24 seven, blah, 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 blah. So like I moved out there and I like had all this pressure on me to perform. So like I spent a majority of my time working um, and not doing all the stuff that I love. And then plus when I was out there, my territory that I traveled was, was huge. I had like Western Colorado, Southwest Wyoming, and like a little bit of Utah. So my territory was just massive. So I was always in a hotel. Um, so while I was out there, I only got to hunt um, turkey. And then I met a good friend out there who was a, uh, a goose hunting guide and a dog trainer. So I had my dog with me at the time. So spent a lot of time training dogs and then hunting geese with him. And then it wasn't until I accepted a job in Arkansas and moved back that I actually went back out there and I shot an elk with a buddy. And then I also shot a, uh, shot a pronghorn while I was out there. Nice. Um, so I'm a little sad cause I didn't get to do all the stuff that I wanted to do. Um, but I was able to do a little bit, but that's a whole nother world of hunting that like, I just would love to really get into it, but I just don't have that many friends that do it. And I, I just, I don't know a lot about it. I mean, bare minimum, really. Yeah. The, the Western hunting is 100% right up my alley. Like I love the mountains. I love big animals. I love just seeing like seeing antelope and mule deer and elk and moose and bighorn and mountain goat like it's all this stuff that i saw on tv shows or mm -hmm. like you know these exotic hunts that i never thought i'd be able to do and so then once you actually do it and see it in person it's a whole different level and i can't now what i'm really excited about like having the experiences i have turkey hunting 
having the gobbles and they're coming closer. I can't imagine having that exact same feeling, but it being a 600 pound bull elk coming your way, just bugling its head off first thing in the morning. Like that to me is almost the pinnacle of, of hunting in the U S when you have that kind of animal and the interaction, because you don't get that with most animals here, um, unless there's their birds or small game, you know, like you don't have that back and forth with deer a whole lot, unless it's a real short time during the rut. And even then it's not like you can hear them from 700 yards away, but oh, with exactly. a bull elk to hear them scream and get closer and closer and closer, especially with a bow in hand. Oh dude, that is a whole different level. Right. So, you know, I shot mine with a rifle and, and I shot it at like 220 yards or something like that. And, and it was, I can't remember which rifle season it was. It was, it wasn't the first one that you had to draw. But um, it was an OTC tag. And so they weren't really bugling. I mean, I got to hear a little bit. Um, but that's something that's like 100% on the bucket list. I've got to shoot a like rutting bull elk with my bow. Like I want that streaming bugle charging in. Like, I mean, that's got to be the most exciting thing ever. I'm sure that, that would maybe even kill my, my whole turkey hunting dreams. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm fascinated with the whole western big game in general just just going back like we were talking about earlier with my like my adhd where i'm just like so distracted easily that like i get bored you know sitting in a deer stand like down south but like out west where you're hiking and like covering terrain and like you know animals here animals there like i don't i don't know that just sounds so much more intriguing and exciting to me um, I think the hardest part for me would be having to sit down and glass a mountainside. I did that one day when I was out West with my buddy and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I was like, let's move. And he was like, man, you gotta be patient. And I just, I can't do that. Like, that's what I like about antelope hunting so much. I don't know if you've ever done, you know, hunted for pronghorn or anything, but it's just so fun to me because it's wide open and like they're everywhere. And yeah. you get to spend a lot of time in the car on foot, like moving around and then like, you know, once again, kind of like formulating how you're going to like get in front of them or how you're going to get close to them. And, uh, it's, it's also just cool to me, antelope hunting where like you're watching this group of, you know, a bunch of does and like one buck and he's chasing the does and, you know, he's like full on rutting and like to get to like watch that out in the open was really cool to me. Cause I was like, man, I, I bet this is the same thing that's happening with whitetail back home, but like, you can't see any of it because it's all just a thicket. And so it kind of got me a little bit excited because I was like, all right, this is the same thing happening. I just need to like keep that in mind when I'm deer hunting, like at any minute, you know, they could, something could be happening, but it's just so much easier to see, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. When you're out there and you can see giant mule deer, elk, antelope, all from one vantage point, like that, that to me is one of the coolest things where you have such a wide variety of big game animals because, you know, east of the Mississippi or even at most places in the Midwest, we don't have access to all that stuff. It's like deer and that's about it. Yep. Um, but out there, it's like you could potentially be hunting three different big game species or four, actually, if you get a bear tag as well. Right. You could be hunting four different big game species in one unit all at the same time. Yeah, that's just so awesome. And I'm like, uh, dude, imagine that. Like, just walking around, and it's like, man, if I see a big 
mule deer, I'm going to shoot it. If I see an antelope, I'm going to shoot it. Yeah. If I see a bear, I'm going to shoot it. And exactly. Uh, opposite from you, I love glassing. That has turned into one of my favorite things. And in fact, I got a new Vortex spotting scope this year. Um, I got some adapters for both my phone and my GoPro so I can hook them to my my spotter or my binos. And like capturing video of elk or mule deer or whatever at a thousand yards is one of the coolest things to me because like they have no idea you're there you're just getting to experience wild animals being completely wild at a distance that they'll never they'll never have any idea that anything's watching them yeah it's awesome that was that was one really cool experience when i was when i was out there on that same trip that i shot that elk um while we were out there, I had had a bear tag, but my bear tag like expired before I came out there. Um, so all I had was my elk tag or whatever. Well, we were hunting this property and like we're on one, you know, super steep mountain and it goes way down to this, you know, cut valley, whatever you call it. And then like steep up the other side. So like from our side of the mountain to the other side was like, I mean, way over there. You couldn't even shoot. It was so far. And it was cool because where we were at, there were some other guys that were bear hunting. So, you know, they had their little hunter orange on. And so we were talking to them on the phone and we started looking through like our spotting steps and we could see these guys, you know, hiking up the mountain. Well, then the guys I was with who were much better at glassing than I was, they started looking across this mountain and there was actually nine bears over there, all in different spots. And like, you could see like, you know, bear here and like bear way up there. And then like bear down here. I mean, there were, everywhere and i was like holy smokes i can't believe there's so many like you know i would have had no idea there was anything over there and there's freaking nine bears um and it was really cool because we'd have to watch those guys move up the mountain towards the bear and we you know we could just see them getting all the way to the bear um and then all of a sudden the bear took off and we called the down we were like did you get them and they were like we missed um but it was just so cool to watch because uh, we could see the whole thing on that mountain uh, from our side and it was just really neat i mean it was an awesome experience yeah that's it is cool we've we've done a similar thing and it was much closer i mean like 700 ish yards uh where we watched our buddy and he was going back and forth and you could tell he knew that the elk was there um, but there was a big bull and it was about 50 yards below him on the same wow. hillside but he couldn't see it because of the thick cover and he could hear it and we're sitting there watching through our binos and he's just walking back and forth and then he'd hear it somewhere else and he'd move and he kept trying to get set up and he's like dude i knew it was in there but in colorado we can't we can't use like electronic communication to walk a person into an animal right so like i can't i can't call him and be like hey dude he's 50 yards in front of you and a little bit to your left yeah or hurry and get to your right you're going to cut him off um they you know for whatever the, for whatever reason cpw has made that illegal and so like we're just sitting here watching and he didn't even know at that point that we were watching him do this and i'm like oh my gosh man i wish i was over there i wish i could help him out i wish i could like somehow get his attention from this far away and let him know like dude you're on top of this bull just be patient and you're going to get a shot opportunity and he never did the bull ended up kind of skirting him going around this point and then we watched it cross a meadow and he he never did see it but right. to, just to know like that could be you 
out there, you're walking around and you might have no idea, but there could be a big bull bedded 70 yards from you or a mule deer buck chasing a doe, like right over the ridge from you. Uh, but the country's so big that, you know, it's almost impossible to know unless you have that bird's eye view or the view from across the valley. Oh, definitely. Because, I mean, that's where we were. We were Colorado. So, same. Like, they they called us and were like, hey, we're heading up. And we're like, all right. And then we, that's when we started watching them. And, like, it was just funny because, you know, we we couldn't talk to them. But we were just like, man, there's bears all over them. <laughs> and they had no idea. Like, they were just walking up the mountain. We just watched them. And then they ended up getting close to that one. And we saw the bear take off. Uh, and so that's when we called them. And they were like, we missed. And it was just like, well, yeah, you sure did. But, man, they were all over the place, you know. Oh, couldn't, yeah. couldn't help him out but man it would have worked if you could have man it's it's just fun like going new places and the amount of area that you can cover or i mean the amount of area that you have to hunt out there in just one unit that might be a million acres that you can like you see an animal you can go there because it's all public i know um, it's amazing it's the best thing the, yeah it really is like you can just put miles and miles and miles on and then the other thing that I love about it is learning a place and like using what you learned this year to go back and do it again the next year. And you find these little pockets where the animals, as soon as they hear a gunshot or as soon as they feel pressure from bow hunters, like they're going to tuck in there and they're not coming out until the gunfire stops. And they'll be back there year after year after year. And it might not be every day that you see them there, but like you will catch them there during season at some point. Um, kind of start learn, to put a pattern together, can't you? Oh, absolutely. And I don't know, man, I, maybe it's because I didn't grow up around it. Um, you know, I got to see turkeys and ducks and deer and squirrels and all that in, in Wisconsin, but like not having those encounters or seeing 75 elk run three miles across a meadow and up into a different mountain range. Like I can't imagine that ever getting old. I'd love to do it more, but, uh, it's just a little, it's tough to me. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too lazy on it, but the whole points and tads and applications, like it just gets to be a lot to, uh, to juggle to me. I need to be more organized about it. Cause like, just like this year, prime example, I've been thinking about the Colorado application. It's like April 5th or whatever, April 6th every year. You probably know off the top of your head. And I was like, I got to apply. I got to apply. And then like, I'd be dang if it isn't the day after the applications due. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get on there. And like, crap, I forgot. And so like, I'm just terrible about that. I'm just not organized enough to remember. So like, here's another year goes by that I didn't get any preference points for Colorado. And then I just, I guess I need to make it more of a priority because I would love to do it. But I've honestly been always a little overwhelmed by it because I don't want to go by myself you know yeah which maybe I just should but I mean you got to learn how to do it somehow but um I I would love to get into it more I know that yeah I mean now now for a long time the preference point deal was so overwhelming for every state like it was it was a huge hassle to have to deal with it and figure out what code you had to put in but now the nice thing is there's a lot of apps and like softwares that are coming out where it'll track all of your preference points for each state, for each species. And uh, there's even on social media, I think on Instagram, I follow Hunt Reminder. Hunt and Reminder. Okay. It, it pops up like 
all the time i'll see it in my feed where it's like hey montana application deadline is coming soon or it'll be like two days left or final hours to apply or whatever like it'll alert you that you got to get your application in soon and if it weren't for that dude i'd miss every single one and that's why i keep missing the wisconsin turkey season i keep forgetting about it <laughs> right um luckily i haven't missed any of the applications yet here in missouri there's a couple there's a couple like na nature parks that they do draw hunts for for whitetail with a bow and i really want to get there because there are some giant deer in these areas um, but then also elk and bear that just opened up to apply here in here in Missouri. I want to say it was three days ago. So I have to, I have to get on that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I got to get better organized on that because spring's always such a busy time chasing turkeys that I, I just, the big game stuff, I, I really want it, but then like, I'm totally distracted by turkey. So I just completely forget it. Yeah. Um, but like I random question for you talking about areas in Missouri that you can uh, apply for or whatever. Um, do y'all do any of like the urban deer hunts? Uh, I've got, I've got friends that do it and I've got one buddy in particular and he swears by it. That's all he does. He doesn't hunt big properties anymore. He hunts either in town or right on the edge of town on tiny little wooded lots behind a, behind Subdivision a, and stuff, car, yeah. a car shop or something like that, you know? And he's like, it's amazing. And I can only imagine, I've seen him out on soccer fields at the YMCA here. And uh, even yesterday I was driving and I saw a ton of turkeys, probably 15 turkeys. I bet you eight of them were Tom's all fanned out and they were right in the middle of the city. And so I'm like, dude, it just makes sense that if you could get access to some of these places, it would be phenomenal to hunt. But that's where like the nature parks, uh, like the nature center here, they do, they do a management hunt and that's in the city. And I'm telling you, I've seen some of the biggest bucks I've ever seen. Okay. Well, that's why I was asking. Cause so we have several like cities that they do the urban deer hunts here. And you know, you, you gotta pass like a proficiency test on like your bow and stuff like that. Make sure that you're accurate. And I think they've got some other little, like you gotta go to like a little course and stuff, but I, I've heard people shooting, you know, 20 something deer in a season just like laying them down and then i've seen some of the bucks that they've killed and i'm like holy smokes i gotta do that um I, i've never signed up for it but i was thinking about trying it this year um because i mean it seems like the the population and the size on a lot of those urban deer hunts kind of like what you're talking about in those nature preserve areas are just insane oh yeah they i mean uh i don't know if it still is and i think i've said it before on the podcast but uh, Colorado city, um, or sorry, Colorado Springs, like the actual city of Colorado Springs has the highest mule deer density of anywhere in the world. Oh, wow. I've never heard that. And if you drive around, like you can see it, like there are, you'll drive down the highway and in between the highway and like the big stone walls that they have running along the highway, you, you could see a half a dozen giant, like I'm talking 180 plus inch mule deer bucks like some freaking studs there's something about human interaction or like um close proximity to humans that a lot of animals just thrive in i think i heard also uh new york city has like the highest density of peregrine falcons of anywhere in the world huh. um there's multiple 
there's multiple families of uh, coyotes living in Central Square that they document every year and they like follow around. And so it's it's very interesting to see like the the mingling of humans and wildlife. Yeah, how they found that little areas. Uh, found that little niche. Oh yeah, and I mean it. It just makes sense. Like where there's people, there's going to be food. And so coyotes especially seem like they would thrive. Um, but then the deer, once they get used to people, I'll walk around some of these trails and I might have deer literally five feet from me and they just couldn't care less that I'm there. Like, don't pick their head up. Don't look at me unless I do some kind of weird movement that throws them off. But like, if you're just walking, they're just going to keep feeding and they don't have any care in the world. And so part of me is like, do I really want to go and shoot that deer <laughs> that is so used to humans? You're right. <laughs> um, but what I've done instead is I've taken those principles of the more encounters they have with people that aren't dangerous or don't end in them just like taking off in fear, the more comfortable they're going to get. And so I try to spend as much time out on my hunting property as possible without doing scent, without like dressing like a hunter, without carrying a weapon. If I can just be, if I could be out on that property every single day, and have encounters with deer, it wouldn't be long before I'd see deer at 15 yards as I'm walking to or from my tree stand that didn't get scared off. Yeah, I definitely think they get conditioned to stuff like that because because I know with different properties I've hunted for turkeys or deer or whatever, like especially if it's like a cattle ranch or something like that. And like, you know, they constantly drive like their Polaris Ranger around the farm. Like the turkeys get to a point where like you can drive the Ranger dang near up to them. And yep. like, they don't even care because they, I mean, they're like, oh, I see this ranger three times a day, every day. So I definitely yep. think they, they kind of clue in on that stuff and kind of, cause I mean, that's what, I mean, wildlife, that's their job is like their, their key is survival and they're going to do everything they can to learn how to survive. And so if they're, if they learn that that's not a threat, I think that just kind of goes to the back of their mind that like, you know, oh, that's fine. You know, they're, they're going to watch out for stuff that's actually dangerous. Um, so I, d- I definitely think they get conditioned to stuff like that. Oh yeah. I talk, I, I tell my buddies kind of jokingly and mostly serious that I want to build a house that has nothing in it or like just a roof right next to the duck pond that we hunt because <laughs> you drive around and you see places that are right next to the river, or right next to a pond and there's birds everywhere. And I feel like when they see a, when they see a structure or a building right next to water, they just automatically assume they're safe there or maybe they associate it with being fed i don't yeah, know what it's probably it is, true. yeah but other factors in there i've heard i've heard of people i've actually had friends that have painted uh black shadows like black human silhouettes above their uh deer stand on the tree so that mm. like when deer come in they see it and they just don't associate it with danger anymore um yeah maybe we're on to something maybe we need to invent like a uh like a line of scarecrows that people can buy. Yeah, just you, uh, a bunch of you, mannequins like, you know, hunting. Yeah, mannequins like and... you know, some inflatable scarecrow slash mannequin that you can, when you get up there to deer hunt, you can deflate it. And then when you got to leave, you just pump it up and leave it up there. Man, we're going to get in the weeds so quickly. There's going to be like an influx of hunters buying blow up dolls and dressing them in <laughs> camouflage and putting them in their tree stand. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But well, man, I don't want to, I don't want to take up your whole day. I know that we could probably both talk about hunting and continue this conversation for hours and hours. And so we might have to have a follow-up at some point. Yeah, man, um, we could, we could totally do that. 
But be, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to share where people can follow your journey. Cause I mean, you know, pursuing the super slam, uh, pursuing the Royal slam, like those are all huge things where I'm sure people would love to follow along and see your progress. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, I, I've got an Instagram and that's pretty much where I post everything. I, I don't go too crazy on it, but, uh, my Instagram is pretty, pretty original. It's pretty easy. It's just David underscore Falk, my last name, F-A-U-L-K. Um, that's where I post all my different hunting pictures and stuff like that and some personal stuff too. I'm uh, not too crazy about, or I don't go too wild on there about trying to get a big following, but everything's on there. Um, Cause that is one thing I got coming up uh, on Sunday. I'm actually flying down to Mexico to try to shoot a Gould's which will be my, yeah. uh, will be my Royal slam. So if I'm successful, hopefully I am, but, uh, I've got the grand slam, finished it out finally. And, uh, now trying to get the Royal and then, uh, maybe down the road, I may try for the, uh, for the world slam. I hadn't decided yet, but Jeez. some exciting stuff coming up. I'm pumped. Yeah. That's, that's really exciting. Being able to travel to places like that, chase after turkeys. And then, yeah, once you finish that, you're going to have to start doing like the big game stuff. And, I'm going to have to, you know, get a buffalo and a bighorn sheep and moose, all that under your belt. Oh, yeah. One one thing, and you can feel free to cut me off whenever, but one thing that I really want to do, and I don't know why it stands out as something that I just like got to do. I want to go to Alaska so bad uh, to hunt what, whatever I can up there. I mean, like I would love to shoot a moose or a sick to blacktail or, or anything like that. Um, but I really, really want to hunt caribou. I think yeah. shooting a caribou would be the most awesome thing. I don't know why, but it's just like, I've always been so infatuated with caribou. I think they're so cool. They are, man. I want to, I mean, I feel like Alaska is the common thread in my conversations with people where I'm like, Hey, what's your number one bucket list? Like where, what would you hunt and what weapon would you use? And it's always, it seems like it's almost always Alaska and it's either moose or caribou in Alaska with a bow. It's just and, like a wild place still. I think that's what's so intriguing about it. Yeah. Is, to think, to think that you could be hundreds, literally hundreds of miles from any other human being. It's just amazing. And it's oh, so man. freaking beautiful up there. Everything I see from it is just, it's just amazing. And then like so many different types of wildlife that are just like, you know, I, I don't know. I, you can see anything out there. It's just crazy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And people, I don't think a lot of people understand how cheap you can do a hunt like that. Like you can get into it for not that much money. The prices, if you go on Alaska, I think it's AFGS uh, website, the, the tags up there are really, really reasonable especially in comparison to some of the Western states. Like you can get a moose tag in Alaska for a whole lot less than you could draw a moose tag for in Colorado. Right. Like it's, I think it's less than half the cost of the actual tag. And then wow. you don't have all the applications and stuff. Obviously you have travel, but you're in Alaska. So even if you strike out, you still have the coolest vacation ever. Right. I just talked to a guy. Um, I was actually talking to a taxidermist a couple weeks ago about if I shoot a Gould's getting him to, uh, to mount it for me. And he had just gotten, I don't think he just got back. He had just completed a trip or something like that. Maybe it was last fall. I can't remember, 
where he went up there to like Kodiak Island and he did some hunt up there where him and his buddies, they all shot um, sick to blacktails. Then they did a sea duck hunt, which would be right up my alley. Oh my they gosh. were shooting, you know, old squall and harlequin ducks, like all these tool ducks. Then they went and shot uh, silver foxes, which I had never even heard of that before. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but. Oh, yeah. Beautiful little fox. Um, and then they went fishing out there and were catching all types of crazy fish. And then, you know, they were showing me like their the videos from like the little bush planes that they were flying on and then like the mountains and the snow. And I was like, that is a trip of a lifetime. I was like, that is amazing. I was like, I, I have to do that at some point. Oh, absolutely. Kodiak Island is one of my favorite places. I've been there twice now, both times. I didn't want to come back, but you can, you can get up there and you can blacktail deer hunt. You can fish for halibut or salmon or lingcod or a thousand different things. You can see whales, you can see grizzlies, you can hunt waterfowl. Uh, in fact, this last trip, we did take a float plane and we flew over some lakes way back in the middle of Kodiak Island, like away from everybody. And there's cabins back there that you can rent for like less than $50 a night. Oh my gosh. They I have no power, no running water. Like you have to just filter the lake water. Um, and they might have like propane or kerosene or something like that for lighting. And then obviously they've got bear boxes outside because there's, I mean, like the heart of grizzly country. We actually saw grizzlies right outside one of these cabins. That would be a little intimidating to me. Oh yeah. It's sighting at the same time. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the best place I've ever been by far. Like there's nowhere that I can imagine that's going to compare to it unless I get way up in the middle of nowhere, like in the heart of Alaska. But even then, like to have the ocean right there and to have, you know, five different species of salmon that you can catch um or it's a sportsman's paradise from everything i've seen it's like the mecca of of all meccas um i i I can't wait to to do it at some point i just gotta finally just pull the trigger and just go make it happen man you you will not regret it i promise you that may end up having to move there (laughs) dude if you do i'll come visit all the time Well, David, man, I really do appreciate you hopping on, and uh, it was a ton of fun talking, and this is the first time I've talked to a guest where I've actually been pretty much sold on turkey hunting. (laughs) Normally, I'm telling people, like, you got to convince me, man, because I don't get the hype, and I'm finally to that point where I'm kind of buying into it, so. Oh, man, the more you go and the more experiences you have and the more encounters, I mean, it's something's wrong with you if it doesn't if it doesn't get you sold over i mean switch over i mean it's it's special um and then just to go down a quick little rabbit hole but something that's so special to me about turkeys too uh you know there's a lot of different things that you can read and listen to like a lot of stuff from like mike chamberlain dr mike chamberlain out of georgia if you've heard from him uh when you really like look into turkeys about like you know how many nests are laid, how many eggs are laid, and then like how many hatch, and then how many make it to poults, how many make it to adults, and then how many are gobblers. Like the stats and the odds are against them. So like, it's so special to me when you finally see that two plus year old bird, that adult gobbler, like that thing made it all that time. And then two years later, and then you happen to get it in close. I mean, I'm sure it's like that with all wildlife, but I don't know. To me, it's just really special with turkeys because like it is really 
it is a is a divine moment almost to me that that turkey's right there within range. I mean, it's just it's really special. I'll, I just I made up with it. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to. Do you know the numbers offhand, or I I might just look it up. Do you know like what the ratio you know, I've is? I heard them, but now now that you put me on the spot, I I I could probably spit out some stats and they'd probably be all wrong. But I could get back to you on it. But uh, if you start looking into it, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty amazing because there's only so many s nests um, laid, and then you know I think they say like a successful net nest is one egg hatching, which is amazing because I think a normal clutch is like twelve eggs, and if one hatches, it's considered a success. And then I think the success rate is like less than twenty percent or something like that. Jeez. Um, and then from that point, like making it to like two weeks old, like that first two weight first two weeks is like really pivotal and like a lot of loss happens then. And then once they're big enough, then making it to, you know, a year old and to like two years old when you can finally shoot them. Like, I mean, it's, it's really special to see a dabbler and to have that dabbler to trick that dabbler and have it within range. Um, you can look at the stats probably pretty easier. I could send them to you later. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. And, and I, it may be like that with other, you know, like elk or something too, but you know, I just, I don't think it's on the same level that turkeys. Man, I'll, ha- yeah, I need to look that up because that makes me feel like the encounters I've had this over the past, like two years have been so much more special. Like I've seen, I've seen hens with over a dozen poults. Um, yeah, that's like special. Out right in the yard. Like you. I've got, I've got some video. I don't have a lot. Uh, I've got trail camera videos and pictures though of hens coming in with a bunch of poults. Um, but it makes sense. Like I've been trying to keep the coyote population under control out at the property that I hunt. Um, I need to do a better job with raccoons, possums, uh, even a river otter. I had an encounter with a river otter just this past week while turkey hunting. That was amazing. Never, never had that before in my life. Oh um, yeah. And, and that's what's so crazy about it. Cause when you really start diving into it, like everything in the woods is after turkeys. Yeah. I mean, snakes are a huge predator i mean obviously like coons and possums and otters and birds and you know bobcat i mean everything's after them um and then even too like uh one predator that a lot of people don't know is uh is actually the great horned owl um so you know not the one that you hear hooting or everybody hoots for turkeys in the morning but the great horned owl is actually a huge predator of like male turkeys interesting um it's pretty wild i listened to a a podcast about it where like birds are on the roost and these great horn owls will fly in and hit them at, you know, like 30 miles an hour or whatever. And literally just like knock them straight out the tree, like almost decapitate them. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing. That's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I see more turkeys or, I mean, I see more hawks and owls when I turkey hunt than ever. And yes. Like they, they scare the crap out of me sometimes because they'll just be like right behind me and I hear the wings and I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. They're and cool here they are. They've like cruised in and they're just checking out my decoys. Oh um, yeah. I've had them, I've had them swoop down at my decoys before. I've never had one actually hit a decoy, but yeah, like you said, literally everything out there is out to kill turkeys or to take out the eggs. Um, crazy. So yeah, that's going to be something I'm going to continue uh, just trying to increase the population. I think that where I'm at, they are doing so well. 
I don't hear about numbers like this that I've been seeing from most people. And in fact, talking to some of the guys from NWTF the other day on the podcast, they were saying that uh, the, the numbers are declining here in Missouri. And so the fact that I'm seeing more than I ever have, uh, it all points to good things. So, yeah, you're in a special, special place for sure. Cause I'm sure they probably, I mean, they're going to know way more about it than I, than I do, but from everything I've heard, like, yeah, pretty much Turkey populations across the majority of the U S definitely the Southeast are just steadily declining. Um, which is kind of a little depressing for me, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get some stuff turned around. I know they're, starting to pour a lot of money into it. And I know there's a couple other like, you know, conservation organizations that are popping up that are really trying to reef, you know, fund some research and get some stuff going where I hope we can, uh, hopefully we can reverse that decline. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's a lot of organizations doing stuff right now. And I mean, anytime people can get behind one of these organizations that helps out wildlife that improves and increases habitat, like definitely do it. And it makes sense for people to start with the organizations that, you know, benefit the animals that they're interested in pursuing. But even for me, like being part of NWTF, even though turkey hunting for basically my entire hunting career has been very low on the list, um, NWTF does so much good. And I'm glad I've been donating and a member um, of NWTF this whole time. Cause now I'm actually enjoying Turkey hunting and I'm, I'm pretty hooked on it now. So definitely uh, one time we need to go together sometime. You're not too crazy far from me. We hey, should, you uh, just say when, man, I've got, I've got great spots here. Uh, I've got great spots here. Like I said, I plan on getting back up to Wisconsin and experiencing an actual Turkey hunt up there. My first in Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, I'd be all about it, man. Yeah, we need to do it. We need to, we need to find a mutual time and make it happen. Let's do it. Well, David, thank you so much and uh, good luck the rest of this season and good luck in Mexico, man. I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Of that. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, if you end up making it up to Wisconsin or anywhere else, man, good luck. I appreciate it, man. All right. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. What an awesome show. How fun. Like, to be able to talk to David and hear all about his passions, his excitement, and I've got to fill you guys in because at the end of the season, well, actually all throughout turkey season, we were communicating, shooting each other texts, sending pictures back and forth of the different birds that we got, and he successfully completed the Royal Slam, which congrats to him. That is amazing. And then to top it off, it's like, oh, man, I also made a quick trip up to Minnesota and got one. And I'm like, dude, he just is all over the place killing birds left and right. And what a cool life. I mean, what a cool deal to pursue. I haven't, like, made a conscious effort yet to pursue any, like, slam of any type, like killing all the big game species or uh, all the ducks or types of turkey or different deer species. I don't know. I need to, maybe I need to think about that. Like, the one thing I did say I wanted to do before I died was do the North American waterfowl slam. And that's a tall order. There are so many different species of ducks. But congrats to David on his birds this summer or this spring. And I'm excited to see what he does next year. It's just going to continue. And before you know it, he's going to have birds in all 49 states and then in Mexico and who who knows where else. Um, But before I let you guys go, I need to make you aware and remind you of a couple events. I know I've mentioned them before, but I want to keep them on your radar. 
One is the Send It Slam through Go Wild and Black Rifle Coffee Company. It's a music festival and an archery event um, that they're putting on, and it's going to be amazing. In fact, I'm hoping to be at both of these events, but for the Send It Slam, I am going to be doing a giveaway where you guys can win two VIP tickets to it, and I would love to see you guys there. It'd be, yeah, I don't know. It'll be awesome. I'm super pumped. It's going to be on July 9th in Louisville, Kentucky, and yeah, mark it on your calendar. It should be a good time. The other one is Half Rack and 2% for Conservation are putting on an event, and that one is actually going to be in August, August 20th. It's going to be up in Waterford, Wisconsin at Spanky Sports Bar and Grill, and it is a community conservation day, and so there is a lot of stuff going into this one. I hope to have a booth set up there, do a live podcast recording. So if you guys are in the area for either of these, even if you're not and you want to travel, I'll be traveling a long ways for both of them. So I hope to see you guys there. I hope to meet you guys there. And cool or or amazing organizations are going to benefit from each of these events. So mark it on your calendars. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.